Hey, uh, I don't know, but if you uh, are from this area, you probably know that some big things happened in, in Washington, D.C. this past week. Uh, the football team here got a brand new name, the Washington Commanders. <laughs> kind of what I expected, kind of what I expected. I kind of wish they had done sort of the rope-a-dope and come back with like Washington Hogs, which would have fit for this football team, if you know a little bit about their, their history. But they didn't do that. They stayed with the commanders. Great. We love our military. I know that was a big connection there. Love you guys. They're part of the, com- the military. But uh, watch the commanders. It doesn't move you a whole lot, right? Um, but, uh, but it's kind of cool because my brother, when he was in elementary school, he wrote a, an award-winning short story and really was prophesying that there was going to be this name change uh, for the Washington football team. It's crazy. Again, this is back in 1980s, and just kind of want to show you the image of the front of cover of this book that he wrote, or letter, note, um, Dolphins versus the Ratskins. <laughs> and so he was predicting back in 1980s they were going to have a name change. He went with Ratskins versus Commander. So, uh, you know, um, that, was, uh, that was connected to the Washington football team. But anyway, uh, yeah, we'll get used to it. We'll get used to ca- the Cowboys versus Commanders is coming to your TV set next year. But talking about short stories, my brother actually did not win any awards for that book, by the way. That uh, was some piece of um, artwork I found in our house, in my parents' house a few years ago. But talking about short stories, today we're going to talk about sharing our story as we finish up this series called Bless. Now, if you've been here over the last few weeks, you know this series is really connected back to a promise, to a a blessing that God gives to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. We read these words, all the families on earth will be blessed through you. And so as we look at our our lives today, if we are followers of Jesus, it means we're part of this blessing that that God gave to Abraham about 4,000 years ago. And so that blessing that comes out of this was Jesus Christ. And so if we follow Jesus, we're a part of that blessing. But that also means that we are called to bless the lives of other people. And so throughout this series, we've been working through that. We've been talking about what are these small things that we can do in our life to bless the lives of others. Now, when we talk about blessing others, we said, hey, part of that is blessing people within this space, within this church community, but it's also about blessing those that are outside these walls, specifically those that are far from Jesus. We, we call those our one, right? We talked about that back in December. So what are those small things we can do? So I just want to quickly run through these real quick. You, you use that word bless there. We've got those four, five letters there, right? Um, we talked about being in prayer, beginning in prayer, that we're praying for those divine moments that, that God will give us to bless these people that we really feel like we're called to bless. Talk about listening, how important it is to shut our mouths and open our ears and listen. Uh, we talked about eating, like eating breaks down all these barriers when we're trying to interact with people and it gives us an opportunity to sit down and eat and have conversations. Uh, last week, Daniel talked about serve. He talked about how important it is serving others that we want to bless. But today we're going to talk about this last letter. We're going to talk about S, and we're going to talk about sharing our story. What does it look like for you and for me to share our story with someone else? Now, what are we talking about here? Well, when we're talking about sharing our, our story, if we follow Jesus, it means that in our life we've experienced Jesus. That something has happened to get us to this place where we, we follow Jesus. That there was this moment in our life that we were changed. Uh, some transformation happened. And, and if you think back to when that took place in your life, I'm betting there was someone who was involved in your life at that time that helped you change who you were, that, that introduced you to Jesus, and you are who you are today because of that moment. 
And what did they do? They probably went through sort of these, this blessed rhythm here, right? But, but more than anything, they probably shared their story. They shared with you how they lived this life before and what it was like when they met Jesus and who they are now. And, and maybe when you started hearing that, you had questions, you had concerns, you didn't know if you believed that, but, but something changed in you from hearing their story. And you are who you are today because of the story they shared with you. And so today we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about the power of your story. Because our lives are that. They're, they're just one big long story with all these different pages and chapters that are in them. And so we're going to talk about the story that you and I, we live every single day. Now, if you think about your story, there's many different things that have happened within it. Uh, there are those mountaintop experiences, those celebrations that we've had. There's those valleys that we hope we never have to go back and, and be a part of at any point in, in time. Uh, there's parts of our story that we remember vividly. There are parts of our story that we hope we can forget. There are parts of our stories that we just, we just don't remember at all. But if you follow Jesus and you were to look back at your life, there's more than likely this moment, this moment in your life where you experience that redemption of who Jesus is, that you experience that blessing that God gives to Abraham 4,000 years earlier, that you, you experience this, this life change and transformation. Well, here's what I believe we are called to do if we're a follower of Christ. We are called to share that story with others. Well, how do we do that? What does that look like for us? Well, to help us kind of think through this, we are going to look at a passage of Scripture and an interaction Jesus has with someone in John chapter 9. We're going to spend all of our time there today. So John chapter 9, starting with verse 1, here's what it says. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Now, let me stop there. Let's give a little context of what's happening here. We have Jesus who's coming out of the temple, and he sees this blind man who is there. And we find out pretty early on, right here at the beginning, here is a man who has been blind since birth. What do you think about that? That's been many, many years for this guy. And we don't know specifically how many years, but 10, 20, 30, 40 years. We know he's been blind for a long time. He's lived in darkness his whole life. He's never been able to see and watch a flower bloom. He's never been able to look at the fish that he's eaten. He's never seen the face of, of his mom and his dad. These are things that you and I probably take for granted because we wake up and we see all the time. Here's someone who, who has never seen in his entire life. And yet this is a big part of his story. Look at verse 2. Rabbi, his disciples, asked him, Why was this man born blind? Was it because his own sins or his parents' sins? Uh, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that there was this idea, there was this thinking, uh, a theology really, that if you were sick, if you had a disease, if you had some ailment, it was because of sins you had committed or it was because of generational sin. And so they're asking this really deep theological question to Jesus. Look at verse 3. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. And so Jesus answers them. He's like, it's actually neither one of those reasons that you're looking for. He's like, God is going to do something pretty incredible here. Now, when we read this scripture, right, if you go back and you, you look there, you read what's on, on the screen there, we tend to read this and say to ourselves, well, well, hold up a second. 
this says that God made this man blind so that God could do something or Jesus could do something incredible right here in, in this moment. And so we've got some pretty deep theological questions and, and concerns too. Let me share with you a couple of things here that you may not know about this particular passage. Uh, first, that phrase, this happened, um, there in I think the part of verse 3, in the original Greek, that phrase wasn't in there. Translators added that in a little bit later on, okay? So that part didn't happen. Maybe your, your translation says something a little bit different, but it probably sounds like it alludes to, like, God caused this to happen. Second thing I would say, in the early Greek manuscripts, there's actually no punctuation. So translators came in and like, well, this looks like a good place to put a period. We better put a period right here. And so when you read the Greek manuscripts, I mean, it is, it is punctuation-less. I don't even know if that's a word, but there you go. And, uh, and so they put these punctuation marks in there to, to make it more readable. And, and so if you were to read this in the way it's supposed to be read, you would read it differently than we read it right here. Because if you read this the way that it's supposed to be read, here's what you would read. The blind man just happened to be blind, okay? He happened to be blind, and here's this incredible opportunity for God to show who God is using Jesus in this moment to change this blind man's life. The way it doesn't read is, this blind man was made blind by God for this moment in time. And so maybe that helps us understand this passage a little bit more. But the real point here is that Jesus is saying, hey, look, I'm here. There's this blind man that's here. And here's this incredible opportunity for God to be seen through what's going to happen in this blind man's life. This work, this miracle that's going to take place, it gives this blind man an opportunity to share his story. But I also think as we look through this, it gives us a glimpse of what it looks like to share our story too. Because when we look at this blind man's life, we see sort of these three phases uh, that, that happen pretty quickly for him. But I believe there's these three phases in our life too that we can learn to help us understand how to better share our story with others. If we go back to the very beginning of the story, we talk about this, this blind man. He's standing or sitting probably on the side of the road, and he's begging. Um, you know, we've talked about how this is how they would take care of themselves and their family. They would beg for money. They would beg for food. And, and every single day, he would be there doing the same job over and over again. And so this really is his life before Jesus. This is his life before Jesus. This is his life before Jesus shows up. This is what it's like for him every day of his life. Each one of us, we have a life before Jesus too. That we have this life before we met Jesus and we were changed. Now, that life before Jesus is probably very different for each one of us. Just like it was very different for this, this blind man. But, but we existed right before Jesus. What I'm going to do this morning as we talk through this story and this miracle is I'm going to share part of my story too. Maybe to help you understand what this looks like in our own lives to share our stories. For me, this church world is the only thing I've known my whole entire life. I literally grew up in the church. Uh, my, uh, my mom was a Christian. My dad was not a Christian. They started dating. Uh, we don't recommend, you know, this is kind of hard, but it actually sometimes works where my dad actually became a follower of Christ because of my mom's influence and because of my mom's 
family's influence on my dad. And so not too long after my mom and dad were married and I, I was born, my, um, and so I'm growing up in this church that you know, my mom had grown up in, or spent a, a few months there in that church, my dad decided he wanted to be in ministry. And uh, so we moved down to Hotlanta, and he went to Bible college down there. And man, as soon as he got down there, he had a full-time job. He was full-time in school. And then on the weekends, he was doing a weekend ministry. And so this is what I know, right? This, this is the life that I have known um, ever since I was born. Well, the experiences of growing up in the church, stories just like this, hearing about transformation and change, you know, again, stories like this, a blind man here. There was this point where I decided it was time for me to follow Christ. And so I can remember we had moved to actually up to outside of Richmond, and then we had moved down to North Carolina. And, um, and I can remember one Sunday morning, I was nine years old, and, uh, and back in the day, and maybe you've attended churches recently do this, we had an invitation time or an altar call. And uh, I can remember standing there in, in, the, in the pews, and I can remember feeling like, man, I, I need to go up front. And so I walked out from the pews, went up, and my dad's there. Of course, he's the pastor. And I'm like, hey, Dad, um, I'm supposed to give my life to Jesus today. And I can still remember that day. I can remember that, that moment. And it, it really was you know, this, this beginning point on, on my journey. Now, some of you hear this, and you're like, dude, you were nine. Like, you really didn't have a life before Jesus. In some ways, it may be a little bit true, but I mean, I did, because my life may not sound like yours, because you look at your life, and you're like, man, I had a hard life. I grew up in a very dysfunctional home. I grew up in a place where, you know, we had no church. We didn't talk about Jesus, or, or maybe you grew up in a home where you went to church, but um, Jesus really wasn't important, right? You went to church, just kind of check off all these to-dos, this is what your life was like before, before Jesus. Or maybe your life before Jesus was full of addiction. Or you were out sowing your wild oats. Or you were feeling lost. And so for others of us, your life is okay. Like you look and there's like, really wasn't anything crazy happening. My life was pretty good. Things were going pretty smoothly. But, you know, definitely we, we all have this, this time, this life before Jesus. But then something happens something changes look at verse five excuse me verse six it says then he spit on the ground made mud the saliva and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes this is the moment that the blind man meets jesus and we see what happens here jesus spits into the ground and he he makes this this, this mixture this paste with his saliva and and the mud that's there and then he, he puts it in this blind man's eyes if you're part of the Christian underworld of uh, social media, which I do not recommend you get into, okay, because sometimes it can be worse than conspiracy theories, but um, a few weeks ago, there was a, a pastor, he's talking about this passage, he brings a dude up on stage with him, he spits in his hand, the pastor does, and then he wipes his spit in the, in the guy's eyes. Last week, Daniel talked about how when you teach, it's really important sometimes to do object lessons, Right? And uh, I, I'm just going to let you know, we're not doing that object lesson today. But here's the deal. You're sitting there and you're hearing that and hearing about this guy who's spitting his hands and putting it in this guy's eyes. And you're like, that's terrible. Like, that's gross. That's disgusting. And, and yet we find Jesus is doing just that. Now, that pastor wasn't Jesus. I am in no way close to, to Jesus. 
That's Jesus. Jesus can do what Jesus wants to do. But, but it would have been this moment and been like, oh, man, what, what, is, what is happening here? What is Jesus trying to prove? What is Jesus trying to do? He puts this paste on this man's eyes. And then here's what Jesus says. Verse 7. He says, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. The blind man actually listens to what Jesus tells him. Now, whether someone walked him to this pool or he just knew how to get there, he, he goes to this pool and he, he washes off this mud, this, this paste from his eyes. Imagine that you, and you've been blind your whole life. You've never been able to see. And you wash this mud off and you open your eyes and now you see. This is the first time you, you see what a person looks like. You see a tree. You see the colors. I mean, his eyes are, are fully opened in this moment. And for the first time ever, he can see. I tried to think about what's comparable for us. Because I don't think anybody in here has been blind and in some way was able to, to see. You know, maybe we've broken a bone, tore our ACL, knee replacement, bypass surgery, COVID, whatever it may have been. I mean, there's something that may have happened in our life that knocked us down for a little bit. And we tried to be patient. We tried to wait. We did the things we were called and asked to do. And, and so we, we finally got to a place where life sort of got back to normal. But, but we never really experienced what this guy right here has experienced, where he's been blind his whole life, and now he can see. Like, I can't imagine what that experience was like for this particular guy. But here's what I do know. I do know it took incredible faith. It took this amazing faith. Jesus takes this mixture, puts it in his eyeballs, and is like, hey, go and wash this off. And he could have said, this is gross, this is nasty, this is terrible, not going to do it. But he doesn't. He has faith in who Jesus is. He listens to Jesus, and he goes and wipes off, washes off this paste that's on his eyes, and he's able to see. That took amazing, incredible faith. But why was he able to do that? He was able to do that because he met Jesus. He met Jesus. And if you and I, if we are followers of Jesus, I think there's that question we have to answer too. When was the time and where did we meet Jesus? Because all of us have this time before Jesus. We have this life before Jesus. But, but then there's this life when we, we meet Jesus. And Jesus does something incredible in our life. This moment where we have to take a step of faith. Really, I think with the mud on our eyes, and we have to be willing to go to the pool and, and wash it off ourselves. What does that moment look like for you? Um, I shared a little bit earlier about when I made that decision to, to follow, uh, follow Jesus. And um, I truly believe I met Jesus that day. But I, I want to share part of my story right now that the day I feel like I fully met Jesus, where Jesus changed my life and transform my life was almost 21 years, a little over 21 years ago. It was January 27th, 2001. 
Uh, that was a Saturday, and I, I've shared a part of this story before. I have not shared this piece to the story in uh, this particular day. Uh, at that point, Kara and I lived in Princeton, New Jersey, just a little bit out, outside of there. She was working as a personal trainer at a gym, and I was a youth pastor at a, a church. And uh, we woke up on that morning, again, 21 years ago, and uh, it was a cool January morning. We jump into her Ford Explorer sports um, vehicle, and we took a drive down to the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Um, some of you may have been there before. Uh, it wasn't to, to go visit someone. It wasn't for treatment for one of our, our kids. Um, we were there because Kara was pregnant, and we found out a few days earlier that our child had passed away in utero uh, seven and a half months into that, that pregnancy. Uh, I can tell you that here we are 21 years later and it's still the worst day of my life. Um, I'm telling you the story from my perspective. It was a terrible day for Kara too, but this is coming from, from me. Uh, we got there early that day. They told us to. I think we were there at 5.30, 6 a.m. They said, hey, we want to help you guys out. We want to do this as quickly as we possibly can so we can get you guys back home so Kara can rest and so you guys can begin to heal physically and emotionally through all of this. Uh, so we get there early. They put us in one of the rooms, and um, they actually put Kara into labor. Uh, they gave her medicine to get her body thinking it was time to um, deliver a baby. And so they gave this medicine to her, which uh, you know, if you've been there before, it's very, very painful. Well, um, you know, after a little while, we were like, hey, you know, she's in a lot of pain. Can you give us something for the pain? I'm like, we really can't because we, you know, we want to be sure we can get in there and do this pretty quickly. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to come back. We're going to grab you guys. So, you know, we can't do anything right now. And, and so we waited. And, um, and we waited, and we waited, and the plan was they were going to take us back to the OR. Uh, you may be asking why, and the reason's pretty simple. Uh, it was really about the emotional trauma and, and pain that the carer was going through, and they wanted to make that day as easy as they possibly could. So we waited and waited, and then uh, that morning actually turns into the afternoon. She's still in labor, and they still won't give her any medicine at this point, just Again, because of, hey, we're going to get you back there. Well, you know, being the husband and, uh, and being there with her and watching that, it's like, can, can you help us out? What's going on? Why isn't this taking place? And they said, hey, there's been a pretty horrific accident here in the Philadelphia area, and so our ORs are just slammed right now. And uh, we're like, well, what about the medication for her? Like, sorry, we really can't do much for her at this point. While my wife is there on this hospital bed in labor. By the way, we don't fault the medical community at all in this. Please understand that. We understand where they were coming from. Uh, that, uh, that afternoon actually turned into evening, and around 6 p.m., we'd been there for a little over 12 hours now, they finally came in and were like, hey, we are ready to take her back to the OR. And so uh, they're thinking about that. They're thinking about her taking her to the OR, making sure she's, you know, ready to go and they can do what they need to do. They're not thinking about where they're pushing us through. She's on our hospital bed. They're pushing her through the hospital. And uh, 
I'm watching her. She's in pain. I know this. And they're pushing us past these doors, the other delivery rooms, where parents are celebrating. Uh, they're having parties. They're taking pictures. They're hugging. They're smiling. They're laughing. They're celebrating life. And we know we're there to mourn a death. Uh, definitely the worst day of my life. And after a couple hours, you know, I went to the waiting room. They came. They grabbed me. Uh, I went into the room where Kara was. I saw her. I hugged her. We, we cried together. And then finally we made that long, long late night trip home empty-handed. Again, I'll tell you, that was the worst day of my life. I share this part of the story because I truly believe that was the day I really met Jesus. At age nine, again, I was baptized and started that journey, but it wasn't up until that point in time in my life that really became my faith. Up until that point, my faith really, I'll be honest, was my parents' faith. And I'm not knocking that. Man, they set an incredible example and an amazing foundation for me. But it was that day, it was that moment where I met Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. It wasn't a pretty meeting up. I was angry. I was upset. Um, I think I've shared this before. I, uh, I said some words to God that I probably still need to ask for forgiveness for, you know, 21 years later. Because uh, just this deep feeling of hurt and pain and not understanding. But I truly believe that was the day Jesus showed up, put that mud on my eyeballs and said, Hey, Chad, now's the time that you should begin to fully see. It was then that my faith began to take over. I feel like it was the day I finally met Jesus, and it changed absolutely everything. What was that day for you? What was that like for you? It may have been your worst day, too, that that was the day you met Jesus. It may have been your best day ever may have been that. That may have been the day you, you met Jesus. But if you follow Christ, there was a day where you met Jesus. And Jesus changed your life. Because all of us, if we follow Christ, we had our time before Jesus, and we had that time that we met Jesus. Then there's the next piece. Look at verse 8. It says, His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, Isn't this a man who used to sit and beg? Some say he was, and others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. They asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. I love this part of the story because people see this blind man can now see and they start asking questions, right? Look at us. Talk about neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar. They're asking this question, isn't this this guy we all knew and know? And it cracks me up because they start saying, no, it just looks like him, right? It's his doppelganger. We all kind of have doppelgangers, don't we? Um, some people have uh, told me about a couple of my doppelgangers. Here's one of them. <laughs> Why do you laugh? Okay, that's not really one. Um, this guy right here is one that I hear quite a bit. Matt Hasselbeck, he was an NFL football quarterback, and uh, I have been confused for him one time at a gym, right? Somebody thought it really was him. I was like, sorry, I don't make the money he does. But, um, 
but we all have these doppelgangers. And it's kind of this deal here, right? They're, they're like, no, it's not the same guy. It's, it's, it's a different, different guy. When we look at the, the story of this, this blind man, they're having a hard time believing he is who he says he is now. They're, they're having a hard time believing what happens. And everyone's asking all these, these questions. Who healed you? How did this, this take place? And they take him to the religious leaders. And religious leaders, they're, they're questioning him. Tell us the truth. What happened? And he talks about Jesus. And they're like, no, that's not the guy you think he is. He's, he's a sinner. And they're bringing this dude's parents and they start questioning his parents, and his parents are like, we're afraid of you guys. He's wearing his big boy pants now. He's old enough. Ask him those big boy questions yourself. And so there's, there's all this tension there with this particular, the particular guy. There's never-ending questions. There's never-ending accusations toward him. But he keeps telling the same story over and over again. He keeps talking about how I had this life before Jesus, and then I met Jesus, and now this is my life with Jesus. In fact, here's what he says. Look at verse 25. He says, but I know this, I was blind, and now I can see. This was my life before Jesus, and this is what happened when I met Jesus, and now this is my life with Jesus. Kind of imagine his life with Jesus. Getting to share that story over and over and over again. Here is someone who experienced tremendous conflicts in his life. He experienced physical pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain because we know how harsh people can be towards people who aren't like them so every day this is his life and now his life has changed his life is different because jesus showed up in his life and jesus changed him forever he's like look at one point in time i was blind but then i met jesus and jesus changed all that and now i can see I think for some of us, if we follow Jesus, that should be our life too. But there was these moments of time, it may have been a couple of years, a few years, maybe been decades, where we lived this life before Jesus. But then something happened in our life and we met Jesus. And that, that meeting of Jesus changed us, changed us forever. And, and now there's this life with Jesus. And I can tell you, I'm guessing this blind man's life didn't get any easier. I don't... I'm guessing there were still all these questions and accusations. Hey, guess what? When you have this life with Jesus, it doesn't mean life gets easier. Like, it, it took me probably a few years to fully get to this place of, hey, Jesus, I'm in this. After what I just shared with you. And, and our life has not been perfect since that day happened. There's been all kinds of things that, that we as a couple and a family have, have still continued to deal with. But we're doing it with Jesus, which is very different that we are not doing that with Jesus. See, that's our story. That's my story. And I know I am changed and different today because I met Jesus fully on Saturday, January 27th, 2001. What's your story? What is the story that you're telling? What is the story that's about your life before Jesus and when you met Jesus and, and your life with Jesus right now? So you, you and I were called to share that story. We're called to share that story to bless the lives of other people. And, and you may be sitting here, you may be thinking to yourself, but, you know, I don't really feel comfortable doing this. Or, or, or maybe as you're kind of thinking about it, you're like, man, what if they hard, ask me some hard questions? Or, or maybe you're like, man, I really don't want to push my views and, and thoughts and my theology and faith on someone else. Or, or you hear our story, my story, and you're like, Chad, my story is nothing like yours. It's not that powerful. It doesn't make any difference. 
Your story is powerful. Your story is strong. It's your story. And you get to share it. And you get to talk about your life before Jesus and when you met Jesus and now your life with Jesus. And you know why you share that story? I believe it's because of what we read in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. When we are blessing the lives of others, we're explaining where this hope comes from if we're followers of Christ. And how do we do that? Well, we share our story from its beginning to the middle to where we are right now. There may be things that are holding you back, but don't let that happen. Use your story to fully bless the lives of others. See, here's the deal. If you're a follower of Christ, you've been blessed, and you're called to bless the lives of others. And we do it through all those things we talked about, through prayer and through listening and through eating and through serving and through sharing our story. And my prayer is, as a church, we become a church community that blesses the lives of others because we know if we follow Jesus, we have been incredibly blessed ourselves.